Brought to you by Insight Counseling Centers. This is the Integration Podcast. A podcast to discuss difficult but relevant topics. Where issues of spirituality, psychology, the arts, and society all intersect. Now more than ever, we are experiencing just how important our mental health is. The following podcast was recorded before our world was drastically changed by the effects of the coronavirus. We have always known just how important our mental health is, but now more than ever, it is even more paramount to care for ourselves and our emotional well-being. In this episode, we explore how millennials are embracing their own mental health journey and some of the challenges that they experience, as well as many of the proactive ways that they are seeking to care for themselves. This is a conversation exploring just how important mental health is, and we hope to have further conversations about all the changes in the current state of the world. We know we will be forever changed after the collective effects from this global pandemic. We hope this conversation reminds you to take care of yourself and that there is no shame in reaching out for help. We are all in this together. We are all human, and we all need each other now so much more than ever. Alrighty. Well, welcome again to the Integration Podcast. We are so excited and grateful that Bailey uh, is here with us. And Bailey is actually the Administrative Assistant at Insight Counseling Centers. And she's been with Insight for, how long have you been with Insight? Nine months? Nine months, okay. Less than a year. Yeah. And We thought this would be an incredible opportunity just to sit down and chat with you since you are one of the lucky millennials. (laughs) And technically, I'm a millennial too. (laughs) So I just want to throw that in there. I'm not, I'm not too old. Right. Make sure everyone knows. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, But we're going to be talking about millennials and therapy, that it's a new thing and more millennials are seeking help in a therapeutic setting Mm -hmm. and it's become more normalized Um, but along with that there are different challenges and especially in that generation there are a lot of challenges so why don't you just first off tell us a little bit about yourself Bailey your background where you're from why you started working at Insight and then maybe a, a little bit about where you're planning to go from here. Sure. Um, so I, my name's Bailey. I'm 23, so I'm a young millennial. Um, but I am originally from Knoxville, Tennessee. It's about two and a half hours from Nashville. Um, I went to the University of Tennessee and I graduated back in 2017 and really wanted to get out of my hometown. Yeah. <laughs> and so the question was, where am I going to go? Mm -hmm. And um, I ended up in Nashville. I had a lot of friends out here who had gone to um, MTSU, close universities. And uh, so I made that leap probably two years ago. Um, And I had worked, you know, a couple of jobs post-grad that I was not passionate about, didn't really love, wasn't super happy where I was. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just decided one day that I was going to look for something that actually mattered to me. Um, So there was a website where you could find jobs with nonprofits. I knew that that's kind of the sector I wanted to be in. I saw a job posting from Insight and I was like, who knows? We'll see what happens. Um, Who knows? And here you are. And here I am. And it was, everything made sense. I've told them many Mm -hmm. times after 
um, that first interview, mm-hmm. I cried in the car because mm-hmm. I just, like, it just felt like yeah. the right place to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, being here really kind of helped me figure out what I want to do with my future. Mm-hmm. So I actually will be moving to New York City in the fall Exciting. to study at Columbia University. Um, and what are you going to be studying, Bailey? I'm going to be studying clinical social work so that I can become a therapist myself one day. That's amazing. So, yes. Would you mind telling us a little bit about that journey for you? And um, I know we've talked off mic about that for you and what that's been like, but just let our people who are listening kind of into that journey, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Um, so when I started inside a new... Um, that I was going to want to go back to school, but the question was what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wasn't sure. I had kind of looked at law, um, maybe getting like an MBA. I just knew that school was going to be the process for me. I just wasn't, nothing was really calling to me one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I started at Insight and kind of got to see, you know, the way that therapy works and the way that it helps people and kind of get to work behind the scenes um, and see the growth and the way, you know, that people were healing and we were kind of helping them through that journey. And then I think one day it just really clicked and I was like, oh, this is what I would like to be doing. Wow. So getting to see, you know, the behind the scenes and getting to talk to our counselors, our therapists Mm -hmm. about their journeys and talk to our clients about, you know, where they were now or where they were then versus where they are now. that meant so much to me, and I knew that that's that's where I wanted to land one day. Bailey, what's your biggest when you now that you've been here nine months and you've been hanging out with therapists and mm-hmm. and hearing things and doing intakes and hearing about the client stories and sometimes very sad, sometimes very powerful. But what's what has been your biggest? Um, oh, I don't know. Different ideas about counseling now that you've kind of been on the other side of it a little bit for a while. I guess so. I grew up, I've always really had a therapist. It's kind of changed throughout the years as I've gotten older. Um, But I don't think I realized just how much therapists take away from their sessions. Um, I just kind of always thought that like you go in, you know, you talk to your client and then you leave and you're fine. Um, And really that's not the case for better or for worse is what I've realized. you know, the way that you speak with people affects you. And and I've always felt that just in my personal life. But to see, you know, to meet with our therapists and have them say like, this has been a really tough week. I've just been feeling a lot of what my clients are feeling and trying to help people. Um, you kind of overextend yourself sometimes mm-hmm. and realize that you feel what they feel too. So that was something that I had to learn and something that I know that I'm going to have to work on going forward. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Bailey, and that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when people who are either early in the p- program um, studying to be therapists um, or people like you have come and usually have to do like a, an assignment where you interview someone who's in the field, practicing mm-hmm. in the field. And I've been interviewed a couple of times and I tell them, first thing, first, self-care is not it's not even an option. It's a pre- prerequisite for being a therapist. If you want to do this work, you have to figure out how you're going to help yourself. And everything you tell your clients, if you're not doing it yourself, mm-hmm. then what's the, what's the use? Like, because I've sat, you know, in that chair that you're at, Eric, and told people, like, you see this empty um, mug? 
how can you pour out of it without water in it? But every time I say that to someone, I have to be saying that to myself Mm -hmm. as a person, because if we're not making space for that, then we can't be those healers that we need to be in those spaces. And that's just such an important conversation. I think taking that mask off um, and really being real that you can bring yourself into the therapy space. And actually, um, when you do it in the service of your client, of course, that's where there's power and uh, like a just a beautiful moment. And it's I call it sacred. I don't know what else to call it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but that's where you meet people and their need. And it's pretty powerful. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And mm-hmm. and um, so what do you see yourself doing? I mean, um, do you, do you want to do social work be a lot of different ways you can go with that? Yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons why I really like the field of social work is because there's so many different pathways that you can take. Um, ideally I would really like to work with, um, victims of domestic violence and assault. Just that's really close to my heart. And I know we've talked about it. It's like throwing yourself directly into trauma, but I also kind of feel like that's maybe where I'm most needed. And that's where I feel like so called to be, mm-hmm. Um, so I know that it's going to be hard and it's going to be very heavy and probably difficult to navigate, but, um, I do feel like that space is where, kind of where I belong. I know that that sounds kind of cheesy, but. It doesn't sound cheesy. Yeah. That's just how I feel. (laughs) It's awesome. I think like we need more healers and even in the wake of everything that's happened this current week, we're in the current week of the tornado Mm -hmm. hitting Nashville, areas of Nashville and areas of Tennessee, like the one thing that we need are more healers. We Mm -hmm. need people to be whole themselves and to heal themselves from their wounds so that we can go out and heal each other. And one of the reasons I chose therapy myself is because I read about wounded healers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's been attributed to Jung and also Nowen, Henry Nowen. And so, you know, these people like theologians, um, psychologists, philosophers, these are people that paved the way for us to now continue to grow and do this work because there is need and there's always going to be a need. Um, So I don't think it sounds corny or cheesy at all. (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) I'm just validating. Right, right. I needed it. There's a therapist in this room. There is. (laughs) And a future one. Right, right. Well, one of the things that I, I am fascinated and want to talk a little bit about today is just this whole idea. And again, the word millennial covers such a, a wide range and, and probably you would fall on the younger side of it. Mm-hmm. And um, as a one person probably um, on this podcast who is not a millennial, I, I have a millennial kids actually and have worked with tons of millennials in my life. Um I would, I'm going to be fascinated to talk to both of you. Um, one, you, Bailey, to get, kind of get your idea about you and your friends and about what therapy even means to you and your generation. And Hannah, some of the things that you have seen just in your own practice of um, how millennials are approaching therapy and what that means now and what that means kind of going forward for um, what therapy is going to look like um, even in the future five or 10 years from now. So, yeah. Sure. Who wants to start? I'll go first. (laughs) Um, I definitely think one thing that I've seen in my generation is the stigma is 
kind of going away. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's because we're realizing that, like, everybody needs help and we're all going through stuff. So having someone to to kind of work that out and untangle those thoughts with is so important and it's really nothing to be ashamed of. Mm -hmm. And so when I see, I mean, I've always been an advocate for therapy. I've been in therapy since I was like nine years old. So it's important. Um, But I see, you know, when my friends are struggling and they're going through stuff and they need someone to talk to, my first question is always, have you seen a therapist? Can you speak to someone? Is there someone, you know, can we work out resources? Because it's so important and it's really, um, I think we're seeing the value of it. One thing that I feel like a lot of my friends and I went through at the same time was post-grad depression Mm, after we finished our bachelor's degrees. It's like you've been in school for, you know, you're 21 years old. You've gone all the way Mm -hmm. through college. Yeah. And then you're kind of done and you have no idea what to do. It's like the quarter-life crisis that John John Mayer spoke of saying about, actually. (laughs) It's real. (laughs) It is. It's so real. And it was a lot of like... I had seen people around me who were finishing their bachelor's degrees and going straight into a job and I didn't have that. And so I felt like something was wrong with me. And I had been out of therapy for probably six or seven years. um, And that's actually what prompted me to get back into it because I was feeling so lost and I couldn't see my own self-worth and my value. And then you kind of, we would go to dinner, just kind of my friends who had all just graduated and everyone would be like, are we all feeling this way? Mm -hmm. Like we all kind of feel lost. Like what are we doing with our lives? And then it kind of hit me like, oh, we are really all going through this and none of us Mm -hmm. are speaking about it and we need someone to talk to. And that's kind of when I got back into the therapy space because I was like, I feel like I cannot deal with this on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, And it ended up being super helpful. But now I'm so quick to be like, if you don't have someone to talk to, you should get someone to talk to Mm -hmm. because it's one thing to, you know, sit around and chat with your girlfriends about how you're feeling, but it's another thing to have a professional who doesn't want to, you know, one-up you and say, I know that you had a bad day, but listen to what I have. Not that there's anything wrong with that necessarily, but sometimes you just need like a soundboard, someone Mm -hmm. that you can just throw your thoughts at. Yeah, that there's so much there, Bailey. Mm -hmm. Like I could go in a million directions, Um, but I'm really curious about your own journey, I guess in the space of like not really knowing what to do with your with your life and like feeling kind of like something was missing or lacking and then thinking am I the only one I I think I hear that a lot with Mm -hmm. the people that come in and they're like oh I'm I'm not the only one because we kind of live in that we can put ourselves into that box and think that we're the only one that's ever experienced this thing or felt like I, I'm directionless and I'm 23 without a job, like a real job. You know, there's that thing that gets put on, especially the younger generations, whether it's external or internal. I think we put it on ourselves. Like we have to have all these things that we see 40-year-olds and, you know, even 50-year-olds or whoever obtaining and then there's like this idea that as a millennial you should have all this stuff already you should have your life kind of manicured to the nth degree Mm -hmm. like I was reading an article uh, in the Wall Street Journal and was talking about that the millennial generation spends about $300 a month on self self self-improvement things Mm -hmm. while that's great 
on the one hand, it's great, but there's also this real heavy expectation put on by, you know, social media, each other, um, just in ourselves that we have to be this picture perfect way, like have this great job, have a great relationship, you know, have the best of the best, the best clothes, the best, all this stuff, and mm-hmm. like manicure your life through a filter, <laughs> which is really unrealistic. But I think that internalizing angst you feel is real. Um, so could you speak to some of that, like that pressure um, yeah. in your own life and in your friends' lives and how you manage that and maybe even how therapy has helped you kind of sift through some of that? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I do think it's a, a tremendous amount of pressure. I think that social media plays a huge role in that because the reality of it is that we don't advertise the not good stuff. Right. We only, you know, we want to post when we get the job and when we're in the happy relationship and, Mm -hmm. you know, when we get the new car and things like that, nobody posts and says like, yeah, I had a really bad day and my boyfriend and I broke up and I hate my job. Like, it's just not what we want to advertise. Um, but I personally found myself getting into the space of like, I want to be happy for my friends because Mm -hmm. I see them, um, succeeding in their field and they're excelling and they're doing great. And I just felt so stagnant. And I even Mm -hmm. said, I had some friends who wanted to go to medical school, who wanted to go to law school. Um, and they were great. And I kept saying like, I don't think I'm good enough. Mm. Like just in general in my own yeah. life, I feel like something's wrong with me. Mm. And my therapist actually said, you know, you have got to put away your measuring stick because mm. they're playing checkers and you're playing chess. It's not the same thing. Just because you're not going to, you know, Yale for medical school, that's not what you want. That's not where you want to be. So you can't measure yourself against other people because we're walking separate paths yeah and that I think I knew that in my head but to hear someone who's you know older wiser you know has more experience has more education saying hey it's really okay like we're Mm -hmm. growing at different rates and you're not judging the next person for you know not wanting to be a therapist not wanting to go get their master's I have a friend who's a super talented musician And I would never be like, well, why aren't you going back to school? Because Mm -hmm. that's not her thing. Her thing is music and she's great at it. Mm -hmm. And my thing is going back to school and getting an education. And I'm good at that. And we support each other. Um, But I think that that journey through therapy and, and, you know, validating myself and my own journey Mm -hmm. was super helpful in recognizing that. But it, yeah. it is – it's difficult and it's a lot of pressure because we we see all the good stuff and we see, you know, even our parents who own homes and own their cars and, you know, things were a lot different when they were growing up. Right. And so now to be like – like my, my father was married and had a kid by my age. Right. <laughs> a, a toddler, honestly. And so for me to be like – now I'm going to go back to school at 23 is kind of like crazy to him. He doesn't get it. But we grew up in different times right. and walked different paths and that's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. This is reminding me of a story. Can I tell a story? Please do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I know I did. I love, love a story. 
<laughs> so the other week, my husband and I were going into Fido to recreate, of all things, our first date, which was very sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, but we walk in and we haven't been back, you know, to the coffee shop in a long time. And there's a 20 something at the cash register. And the way I am, I just engage with most humans that I see. (laughs) So I'm just being me and I'm asking him about, you know, his job and if he likes it and this and that. And all of a sudden we start talking about like life purpose and how he feels like he's wasting his life Mm -hmm. by being just a barista. And I looked him straight in the eyes and I said, you are more than your labels. And I said, I was a nanny until I was 30. And you know what? There's no shame in that because everybody's path is different. But for a while, I did feel some shame about that Mm -hmm. because of the expectation that other people put on us to have certain things or to be certain things or to, you know, all that stuff. And when you start to shed that and you start to realize your essence as a human is greater than those labels. I use that a lot of times with my clients. I will say like, I am not the degree I have after my name. I am not. And I have to remind myself that because my essence is so much more than that. And while we want these degrees to basically help us help other people, we don't ever want to become what we despise in a a sense. Like I don't want to put that over somebody else. And so I find a lot of times the work I do and the populations I work is empowering people. And it can be with the Latino clients I see, but also millennial clients Mm -hmm. that I see who have this idea that they need to be further along in their life than they are. And a lot of times it's just normalizing like you're 23. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be so hard on yourself all the time. Yeah. And you're just where you need to be. Exactly. (laughs) Right at this place. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're good. Right. A lot of my work is just telling people, like, you're good. There's really <laughs> no shame. There's in not no shame. Out. <laughs> <laughs> like, none at all. And I think it's so liberating because how many spaces do we have in the world to do that? You know? Mm-hmm. Hannah, I want to, as you're, as you're, um, telling this story and I'm thinking of all the teenagers who've gone, then gone on to college and um, many of them had life coaches, which, mm-hmm. w- which again is a millennial thing to me, helicopter parents, life coaches, <laughs> they got all these things going on, yeah. spending 300 bucks on, you know, whatever, um, yoga life l- looking coaches. better, yeah. right. Yoga mats and all this. <laughs> so, but okay. So, I so I have yoga. a bunch of questions. One would be, tell me, first of all, tell me the difference between a life coach and a, and a, counselor. That's number one. Number two, I want to talk a little bit about um, the quick fix culture that I Mm -hmm. see in millennials. And it seems to kind of fly in the face of really the um, what counseling was based on. So Mm -hmm. I'm asking a bunch of questions, but start with this first one. What is life coach and counseling? How does it um, differ? It's a great question. I can only speak to really what a therapist is and then what I know of life coaching, but I am by no means an expert because I don't have that qualification. Certificate Um, or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, my degree is in marriage and family therapy, which just to clarify, it doesn't mean that I only see married married couples and families. It's the way we look at a client. We view them through the system of their family and um, the lens that we are more than just an individual person we are surrounded by communities and social networks and that affects us right um and so within the 
psychology tree, marriage and family therapy is the newest branch on that tree. And then we have the uh, social workers, and then we have the licensed professional counselors, then we have the psychologists, Mm -hmm. and then we have the psychiatrists who are medically trained. And so you all, you know, for being a therapist or a counselor, we have to go and get our master's degree. And then you have to be supervised. (laughs) It's a long process. There's a lot in it. Um, And really just that's to protect the client. It's to protect that the client is getting the best care and the two ethics are do no harm and do good. So that's what we want to do. We want to protect that client. And in order to do that, we need safety and we need regulations and ethics and all of those things around it. And so I can only speak you know, to life coaching is what I know. It's a, it's a newer development Mm -hmm. of the same type of thing and you can get like a certification in it. And, um, I think it's on its way to become, uh, more of a, how do you put it? Like, um, kind of, uh, I can't think of the right word, but not controlled, regulated, I guess, Uh career path. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just don't know enough about it. Um, you can, as a counselor, you can definitely be certified and become a life coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's different regulations around that than there are around therapy. And in each kind of branch is different. And I think life coaching is kind of like the next version of it. But I don't know enough about it to speak very well about what the qualifications are there. Right. Okay. And and when when a millennial someone comes in and goes, listen, you know, I I got four sessions max. That's all I can afford or that's what my um, insurance pays or I just got to do this really quick. Can therapy d- be done that way? You know, it, it can. Yeah. I think any therapy is better than no therapy. Yeah? Okay. Um, there are actually types of therapy that we're trained in. One is called solution focused and it's really looking at and solution focused brief therapy. And it was not to get into all of the theory behind it, but it was, you know, created by people actually out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I'm from, Um, (laughs) (laughs) which I think is pretty cool. And um, in order to help in those situations, but it's more like, let's think about if you were to wake up tomorrow and you didn't have to come to therapy, how would you know that, you know, that's kind of like the miracle question. If a miracle took place and you woke up tomorrow and you were better, how would you know? So it's getting people to kind of get into that headspace of my life can be different. My life could look differently. Um, and there can be some positive change. And I guess what's helped to me is let's say someone, a millennial, comes for four or five sessions um, and then they drop off, which I've definitely had. I had some, I had a client who was like, I ghost people. And she like told me that early on and then she ghosted me. Right. <laughs> which is a real thing. And, you know, she warned me, but then she ghosted me. But I I like to think of it as like planting a seed that she, she did glean and gain something from that relationship. Mm -hmm. And I hope for her wherever she is in the universe, in the world right now that she goes and perhaps (laughs) carries that on. She might, you know, build upon the work we we did in therapy and then, continue that on with someone else with another okay, therapist. So I think I got it. So the, but the approach would be very different from what you, Correct. maybe many people think like, Oh, the first two or three or four sessions are just talking about family history or 
life age zero to 10 or something like that. Right. You jump right into a, uh, what's going on problem. right now? I'm feeling solution focused, anxiety or depressed or whatever it is. And you just jump on it. Correct. Right? Yeah. That what you're talking about, that is like the Freudian on the couch psychodynamic yep. that takes like your whole life to right. get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which we don't have, we don't, we don't get time for that. <laughs> Let's yeah. just be real. Yeah. A lot of people don't. Time and money. I mean, it it is an investment. And I explain that to my clients. Like, I know this is an investment, but think about it. Like, do you spend money on your car to get your oil changed? Do you spend money on um, nice dinners? Do you spend money on new clothes? So how much more important is your own personal well-being and relationships? Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. Bailey, what would you say with you and your friends, and I'm generalizing here, but but w- what are some of the issues that are that that you see just facing people? And, uh, and I'm not talking about you know um, global warming and things like that. But w- what are the psychological issues that that are maybe are most common in your peer group? Um, I think oof. A lot of the like societal pressure that we were talking about. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Because in this age, we're all in so many different places. I have friends who are married and having children. I have friends who party Thursday through Sunday. I have friends who love their jobs. I have friends who hate their jobs. Um, so that whole measuring where we are against where we want to be or where we see other people. I think there's a lot of pressure to be like, should I be in a serious relationship right now? Should I be married? Should I be thinking about children? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're all stressed about money <laughs> just because. Student loans student and loans, right, right. Yeah, just going back uh, to school, right, right. paying yeah. rent. You know, we live in Nashville. Things are not cheap here. No. Um, so it's a lot of a lot of that, and also the political climate. Mm. Not to get too deep into it, but it's right. it's difficult for a number yeah. of us. And I think, um, I mean, speaking for myself and for you know the people that I keep in my circle, we're all very passionate about you know wanting the best life for ourselves, but for other people too. So when you're in you know a political world where you feel like maybe some people aren't being treated equally or the way that they deserve that weighs heavy on us and i i know that there have been you know many a night where the conversation kind of turns into like what do we do what are we doing how can we help Mm. um and it's hard not to kind of carry that burden on your own shoulders even though you know realistically it takes a lot to to kind of impress change upon people we still kind of carry that so i think it's a lot of things at once honestly yeah i would (laughs) i would echo that personally and i'm on that kind of the older end of the spectrum first i was young now i'm old (laughs) i'm all things but speaking of my clients like Mm -hmm. i'm thinking of a a few in particular that that resonates so much for where they're at you know they're carrying a lot of anxiety about the future Mm. and about what their life is going to look like and it it's like a macro to a micro level Mm -hmm. and they feel it all and it weighs on them deeply. Um, you know, the fact that where do I go from here? Should I be married right now? Why do I think I need to be married? I'm 24. Like, where <laughs> does that come from? And exploring all of those things. Um, and it becomes really hard just to kind of sort through all of that. So I think speaking to that, that's so important. 
Bailey and um it's hard you mm-hmm. know it's it's a different world out there than it was yeah when you, you, you know younger. so it sounds like the things yeah again fear causing mm-hmm. anxiety, anxiety causing what manifesting in panic attacks, panic attacks. or, oh, or you know huge. all the things yeah. you know mm-hmm. uh, what Depression. I'm hearing you guys say also <laughs> is you know there was a there was a time where you said you know, you're 18, you're an adult, you know, or whatever. And it's sounding like my dad or something here. But um, I think what we're talking about or what I hear you talking about is the definition of adolescence. When does it end and how does it change to adulthood? Mm -hmm. And the answer is it's adolescence may extend till you're 30 um, because Mm -hmm. at this point, because of all these things and societal forces, they're it's not just so simple. You don't just get a job when you turn 18 and then work in the factory until you're, right. you retire. Mm-hmm. Now there's all these choices, um, almost to the point of mm-hmm. paralyzation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a whole new name for that. It's called emerging adulthood. <laughs> I'm feeling I love it. it. That's okay. where you're yeah, at. Point of phrase. I, I love yes, it. I'm there. I still call well, my mom before I make like any real life decision, yeah. even though I could definitely do it by sure. myself. Right. Like the whole adulting is hard. Adulting is hard. (laughs) And that's become a real thing because it is hard. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're like, oh, who's the adult? Oh, I'm the adult. Right. I'm like, I need someone older. I have to call my mom and be like, I I paid this much for this thing. Does that sound right? (laughs) Or no, like that I just get bamboozled. I don't know. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, So that's it's yeah, it's a lot of pressure to feel like you should know how the world works. And then I feel like we kind of get into a space where we're comfortable. um, And then it turns out we have no idea about anything. I don't know how the world works. Like, I'm reminded of that often. (laughs) And the world is changing at such a rapid space. Constantly. Or pace um, today. Much quicker than it was, you know, when our parents Mm -hmm. were our age. And with technology and the movement of all of that. And so we all are feeling that um, it's it's real. The pressure is real. And we are globalized now where we know so much more. So the actual amount of anxiety that we hold is so much greater. And um, we were only actually meant to hold within our minds uh, about 200 people, which is a tribal size. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now we have tons of people that we're comparing ourselves to millions thousands and now the goal is to have thousands of followers when that's not even a healthy realistic uh mental health Mm. (laughs) like it's just not healthy Mm -hmm. for us to compare ourselves to that many people um it's gonna cause anxiety and then you're gonna go into spirals of depression because you're not good enough and yada 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 so it's there's the actual force of like the actual mental illness and then there's the the external forces that we're also combating mm. so mm-hmm. no wonder depression rates are skyrocketing mm-hmm. and anxiety depression uh, rates are skyrocketing too mm-hmm. well lots of challenges in that and i i you know one of the things that i do love and i applaud both of you is is just the demystification of of counseling i think is so important because um, it hasn't always been that way. And I know there's still um, parts of our our society, probably even with millennials that that are not open to this, but if there's any way that we can kind of get word out to that counseling of all ages and of all yes. people, whether it's short term or long term, <laughs> like you said, 
even if you have someone for one or two or three sessions, mm-hmm. it's still better than, than nothing. And maybe something clicks in their head down the road when they go, oh yeah, I've been to a counselor before and I'm in a bad place and I can mm-hmm. do this again yeah. or whatever it may be. So, mm-hmm. so um, nothing but positives mm-hmm. is what I'm hearing. Yeah, Nothing but positives. To- and if you don't, click with your counselor that's okay (laughs) the counselor you know won't be offended if you need to move on to another person because we can't be all things to all people and we know that and so that's really important too like giving um yourself the right to say you know what i can look for a counselor that's a good fit and if i try it out it doesn't mean that therapy is horrible it just means that maybe that wasn't the right fit and let's go find another fit or another venue or another avenue or teletherapy mm-hmm. or, you know, there's things like Talkspace, which I'm pretty sure you you use, right, Bailey? Right. Yeah, so correct. different types of ways to engage with therapy mm-hmm. now even. It doesn't have to be in a person, in, in, in person, in a room. Mm-hmm. It can be via text or um, on a video chat. Yeah. So. Well, and I think that things like teletherapy, things like that have really contributed to the the destigmatization of therapy because you know it's one thing to go sit in a room and be you know just talking to someone one-on-one which is perfectly fine but it's so much more accessible now because of things like talk space and teletherapy that it's just kind of like yeah hang on let me text my therapist really quick <laughs> like I love um being able to utilize that because we're so busy. I mean, millennials are so busy all the time. And so I feel like it would be hard for me to take time out of my day to go, you know, meet with somebody. But if I have a really long day at work and, you know, something's weighing heavy on me, I can go home and just record a message for my therapist, tell her what's going on, and then I'll wake up in the morning and have a response from her. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so cool, like, to use technology for good, right? Technology is not good or bad. It can be used for either, Mm -hmm. right? Healthy or unhealthy. Yeah. So, like... I love using like meditation apps, you know, and mindfulness things. So why not, you know, use it for good and and reach out to somebody who you can get a different perspective um, from. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. So love it. Love I it. Definitely agree. Bailey, thank you for coming and hanging out with us <laughs> and sharing your story with us. Sure. This has been great. Yes. Thank you so much, Bailey. Thank you for having me. Of Super course. happy to be here. Yeah. Can't wait till you uh, <laughs> hear your story about going to grad school and all you'll learn. Oh, yeah. Speaking of anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to do amazing things. Thank you. And it's, it's just the beginning of an amazing journey Thank that you're you so on. Thank you so much. I love that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Integration Podcast is sponsored by Insight Counseling Centers, restoring lives to wholeness, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually through quality and compassionate counseling services for individuals, families, and couples across Middle Tennessee.